Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to me, it's year three of Gender Z. Listen to us while we make a fuss about content with energy. Let's have a hard conversation on Gender Z. Welcome to Gender Z, I'm Bren Bartal. And I'm Michelle Leong. And today we're going to talk about neurodivergency and kind of how neurodivergency or being a queer neurodivergent person is kind of like. Um, So if you don't know, neurodivergency is what is considered the opposite of neurotypical. And to be neurotypical means you don't have like autism or ADHD um, or ADD or or other, uh, other, you know, afflictions afflictions feels like the wrong word <laughs> you know you have you don't have uh one of those things that that makes your brain view the world different than what be considered as quote-unquote normal um like uh having ocd is considered being neurodivergent um and if you have learning disabilities that's considered neurodivergent um and I think sometimes it's it's kind of alienized which which I get especially if if whatever you have really affects your life and it, it might move you away from how you how you act or how you interact with the world may move you away from what people think is quote unquote normal um and I understand how that can be difficult but I feel like at least in our generation like there's not a ton of like purposeful alienation to it because so many people are like figuring it out um and getting diagnosed um so yeah, I mean, I just think like the community we're in, yeah, like, like I would say that our community is very like, like we're very welcoming, we're really nice people. Like everyone that I've like been with for like the past like decade and stuff, like no one's been very like, I don't know, they haven't been off about it. Like no one has said anything. Like, yeah. So and our I don't know quite how this works in other states but our with our public school system and and honestly with like other and other higher education a lot of places you can we call them 504 plans which is where you get uh accommodations for like testing or class and a lot of people who are neurodivergent or you know have learning disabilities need that like extra time or just some extra stuff so they can be as successful as their neurotypical classmates um so that's really nice. And I think, well, you know, legally our teachers have to, um, you know, follow them. But I think I think some teachers could have chosen to be difficult, but a lot of teachers are just like, yeah, whatever, cool. Because it's the whole thing. I think it's so funny when people are like, oh, my teacher hates me. They want me to fail. And I'm like, if your teacher hates you, they do not want you to fail. One, I don't think that's true. I don't think any teacher wants their student to fail. They may not like you. (laughs) If they don't like you, then they definitely don't want you to fail because then you have to take their class again. (laughs) And that, and it also reflects like really badly on them. So it's like their job is to make sure you get through the class. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think definitely it can be difficult, uh, to be neurodivergent, especially depending on what you have and where on the spectrum of, of how severe, uh, it impacts how you try and navigate the world because the world is not, 
greatly built for neurodivergent people. Um, I'd say especially people who are considered not quote unquote high functioning, which I think is a an interesting term. Like like the term, like for example, people be like, oh, they have high functioning autism, which I think is really interesting and also something that I I think maybe as a society we should move away from because it gives the impression that oh you're better than other people with that because you fit into the mold of our society better Mm. Um, which is problematic (laughs) to say the least and I think I think people who are high functioning are not necessarily less afflicted by it like that's the whole point like a lot of things like like autism there is a spectrum of how how much it affects you and how and 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 I say affect you when really I don't I want to frame it in the way of not like it's a you problem and more like how you interact with society with with a society that is not built to interact with you um I think those people are not less afflicted by it. They're just they're not less impacted by it. They're just better or or more inclined to mask. Um, and if you don't want to know what masking is, masking is a is a kind of a way to alter your personality when you're around people to specifically seem less neurodivergent and seem less uh kind of like blend in kind of yeah to blend in which is very tiring sometimes (laughs) (laughs) um and that's why like once you find your group of friends if you're neurodivergent just like stop masking because that's what i did and they were like oh yeah brent's just making noise do it and like none of them cared they were just like oh brent's just doing a thing that's how brent's brain work and i was like oh this is so much better yeah, it's like you don't have to like hold and be like, okay, do I do this? Do I do that? Like, does this yeah. seem weird? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I think less with our generation. I haven't noticed this a lot with my peers, um, but I think with older generations, there's definitely a misconception that um, people who are neurodivergent are not necessarily going to be productive members of society or can't be smart or whatever, because, you know, when like our grandparents were growing up, if you, if you didn't mask really well, or you had, had, um, or if, if you're, if you really struggled to integrate with society, like you would definitely be othered and bullied and, in some instances sent to, to mental institutions, which, you know, back in the day were really not good, <laughs> uh, like, and could be very, very dangerous for people. Um, and I think also because it was in those cases that you saw the extremes um, and there wasn't necessarily terms for this neurodivergency for how people acted um, and, so because you only saw the extremes, you thought, oh, well, yeah, that person can't do X, Y, Z. So that's not true, um, which is very incorrect. I mean, some of the smartest people I know are neurodivergent. Um, 
uh, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I'm, I'm, I do pretty well. <laughs> I do well. Um, <laughs> I'm neurodivergent. Uh, and I think honestly, it's just, it is very much, I think it can be frustrating because when you really have to try and fit in to be heard, it can be really exhausting and masking can be really exhausting. But I also think it's kind of a gift at times because your brain will look at things a little differently or a lot differently than other people's who are neurotypical. And I think when you look at things like at different perspectives or even just a problem different ways and you come up with something different that's maybe considered a little more unorthodox to the normal neurotypical, quote unquote normal, to the neurotypical person, um, I don't know. I just don't see fault in that. I think I think multiple solutions to a problem from multiple different angles are helpful. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm just like really glad that there's not like like, I don't see a lot of, like, stigma around, like, the people that I'm with and that I hang out with um, towards, like, neurodivergent people. Yeah. So, I'm, like, I think that's really nice. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, like, I think there could be, like, just better, like, awareness in general. Yeah. Because I know that there are people who are just pretty ignorant, like, towards or, like, around, like, neurodivergent people and mm-hmm. point things out and, like, make jokes. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, too, you see that in um, especially, like, because kids who do special ed, I think I think that's definitely where it's the worst because, like, older generations, those are the kids who, you know, our, our traditional school system doesn't necessarily work for them. And that's totally fine. I know a bunch of kids who aren't special ed who the school system that we had wasn't great for them. Um, but I think the kids in special ed – are like like their families and they recognize that and they're able to to you know work with with paraeducators and stuff to make it work for them so that uh, they have the same success as their peers and so I think that's probably where um, a lot of the probably like the height of like bullying and and stigma forms um, especially at school. Um, and I mean, when, when I was in elementary school, like it wasn't made a big thing. Like it was just like, oh yeah, that kid's going to go off with that teacher to go do some reading time. And we were all, and I was just like, okay. Um, but I know there were some other kids who were definitely like, that's weird. Why do you have to go do reading time with somebody else? Um, which, and I also think it's, it's interesting that that's where that, uh, peaks because I like I think the kids who participate in special ed are also like really nice (laughs) like they're genuinely the nicer people at school and I'm just like wow so you're just gonna be a I can't say that word you're just gonna (laughs) be an awful person because you can um and I think though there are like sometimes people like to push buttons like um if people don't, and like uh, neurodivergent per- people do not owe an explanation or telling you your diagnosis, but I think sometimes if people, I, I, I witness this, if people like don't know that somebody has a sensory processing disorder and then has been like, hey guys, can you be quiet or like this is really bothering me? And then 
somebody around them will be like, ah, oh, ha, ha, and then continue to make loud noise, like, at them. Um, yeah, which, and I've, that just plays yeah. into some basic human decency, guys. I think that's, like, the most common thing I've seen people do. Like, at least, like, in school and things like that. Like, they yeah. have a classmate who, like, has, like, their headphones on and, like, yeah, someone else in the classroom will be, like, literally making really loud noise. Yeah. And I mean, I I have uh, a friend of mine has those headphones and uh, within like our like school community that I participated in, they would put them on. And sometimes like even through the headphones, like the headphones wouldn't help. Um, and sometimes I would say something and they would flinch and then I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. They'd be like, no, it's okay. Because... Uh, I'd be like, okay, I'll be quiet and stuff. Um, but, you know, it's it's really just, you know, you got to read the room. Because uh, those headphones are so nice. Like, I put them on, and I'm like, ah, I can hear nothing. <laughs> well, you can still hear stuff, but, like, it's muffled. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, the funny part is, too, is um, this is kind of a typical trend that I think is getting slightly better um is girls are typically not diagnosed until later in life because they are subconsciously programmed to be quiet and subdued and uh things that are considered what feminine people should do because you know like i bet you you put a five-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy next to each other and the five-year-old boy is automatically going to be louder and the five-year-old girl has grown up watching her mother be quiet and be subdued and be the conflict solver. Um, Like I know that definitely happened uh, for my family through no fault of my family's own. Like that's just how society programmed my family, has programmed all of us. Um, But because of that, girls really start masking at a lot earlier age. Uh, So, it's caught less. And I think, I think also in past, it was also like misogyny, like, oh, a girl can't, can't have that. It's only a boy's thing. Um, but no, I didn't get diagnosed until I was 15. And I told my friends that I was like, guys, I'm neurodivergent. And one of my best friend was like, you didn't know that. And I was like, you knew that. And I was like, it's just like, I just assumed that you were since the moment I met you. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was so funny no like yeah. one of my friends was like hey oh my god and she was like hey like michelle 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 and i'm like what and then she's like can you tell that i didn't take my meds today and i was like yeah like <laughs> especially if you take meds that like i think i think too like, people who take ADHD meds or ADD meds every day, um, and then they don't take them, they're just, they're, like, the same person. They just, I think those meds help them, like, focus more. Uh, mm-hmm. That's my impression. And so they just kind of bounce off the walls a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect way to put it. Because, like, I think the meds help with, like, focus and, like, also a little, like, you're more, like, in the zone. Yeah. 
because I'm like aware of a lot of other things. Yeah, I think it like helps your brain because because my from what I've heard, it's like your brain is just like has like 17 lanes of traffic and they're all going different speeds and they're all honking. Yeah, and and Mm -hmm. the meds help all all the lanes go the right speed. And they're not honking as much. So <laughs> it helps it helps you kind of sort it out, I think. That's the perfect um, analogy. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, she's I like, just... can you tell I haven't taken my meds today? And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, because there's still it's this lovely person. It's just like they've had like 17 espresso shots. And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> Because, like, like, also, like, you don't, there's nothing you can do about it, and there's nothing you have to do about it. You're just like, all right, you're going to be a little, little energetic today. Sounds great. And then, um, I think, too, uh, another thing is uh, that people, well, here's something that I saw that I really like that was, like, you don't have to have autism, ADD, ADHD, OCD to use coping mechanisms or coping skills to regulate yourself like like I love that like you don't have to have broken your leg to do PT on your leg like PT exercises on your leg because like that's we're not gatekeeping we're not gatekeeping (laughs) emotional regulation skills um I think people should learn them (laughs) yeah exactly uh I think another thing that's we should touch on is also I have I have a is I think a big thing that sometimes will bring about prejudice or stigma or people just being jerks is when people go nonverbal. Because um, oh, I have yeah. a friend who who will go nonverbal every once in a while, and I I didn't have any classes with them this year, so the first time I would see them was at lunch, and I'd always be like, oh my gosh, hi, how are you? Uh, and every once in a while, they pull out their phone and type into it, hi, I'm nonverbal, um, which ended up, like, fine, because we both had phone, like, everybody had access to a phone where we could type on it. Um, and also, a lot of my friends know ASL, so they would sign to each other, um, which is really helpful backstage, actually, because you can, like, wave across, and somebody across stage will see you, and you'll sign something to them, and they'll be like, oh, I got you. <laughs> um and, like, I don't go nonverbal very often. Uh, if I go nonverbal, like, I am having an awful time. <laughs> like, life has been too much for too long. And my brain's just like, no, stop. Because <laughs> I, I think that's the thing, too, is, like, it's not like it's like you you physically cannot talk. Like, your body has, like, put, like, a... It's like you have strep throat and can't talk, but instead of, like, your throat hurts, it just feels like they're stopping. There's something sitting there stopping you. Um, Which is not always bad. It does make talking to people hard. um, Because once I went nonverbal and we were doing a group project and the teacher was like, no, you can't take off your out your phone, but you can write in your journal. And I'm like, but I text so much faster. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, okay. 
Okay, I wasn't that mad about it because also it meant I didn't really want to do the assignment and it meant I couldn't really help with the assignment because I'd be like, oh, you could do this and then they would have moved on already and I was like, great, I don't have to do this. (laughs) (laughs) It's not true all the time when you're not verbal. All the time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I think think, like you just have to be patient with people because they still – can talk to you just not verbally and so I it's like you really want to be conscious that they're still there and you're still including them in the conversation if you like and if you see them to go like text something or write something down to pause the conversation and make sure people don't move on so they can still contribute um because not everybody knows ASL myself included I know a few signs and that's about it (laughs) Yeah, but no, I have friends who are, like, fluent in ASL, so. Yeah, but I I think, like, just being, like, very considerate of, like, other people, that's something that, like, I've seen, like, a lot of people around me struggle with. And, like, obviously, I struggle with that, too, myself. Because, like, sometimes you're just so caught up in something else and, like, you don't, you just don't notice something. So I think just kind of, like, being aware and yeah, being that, like, person who, like, hey, guys, like, pause yeah no exactly because it's just having a little bit more awareness because I think when you have neurodivergent friends especially once they feel comfortable with you they will mask less and and as you spend more time with them you'll figure out things that uh they need and that and so it's it's really just you know when you're around them keeping a little bit of it, it might be a little more work for you but it's totally worth it and it's super easy because you just you do a little more work here and there um and your friend is going to feel so valued and cared for and then um you know that they're okay and you're okay and everything's working out so and then when it comes to neurodivergency and queerness I actually don't do I know any queer people who are neurotypical no Maybe. No, sorry, I'm going through friends in my head. No. 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 Yes, okay, I know one. <laughs> I know at least one neurotypical queer person. Because I, I think the thing with being neurotypical and queer is when you're neurotypical, even though I think our generation and, and, and our peer group is pretty good about it. There are still times where you feel a little out of place and you don't feel quite like you fit in. Um, And I think queerness definitely is just another form of that. So I think, I think queer people are actually a lot better at expressing their neurodivergency and their needs um, just because they already have experienced feeling out of place. Um, and I think at times your neurodivergency has a bigger effect on your life than your queerness. Um, like if, like when I'm at school, my queerness is there, yes, and that's a part of who I am. But like the neurodivergency totally affects the way it, it, it affects the way that I learn and the way that I think. And when I'm at school, most of the time I'm just trying to get my notes. I'm just trying to understand the concepts, you know. So like that was a a much bigger part for me um and also like if you think you need accommodations on tests or stuff 
just ask for them. The worst they can say is no. Will that suck? Probably. But there's no harm in asking. And like a, a lot of, if you're going to college and you're worried about it, a lot of places, I actually haven't heard of any that doesn't have this, probably because due to the American Disabilities Act, um, they have like disability offices, which includes uh, like physical disabilities, but also learning disabilities. Um, Cause they want you, they also want you to succeed. Like they wouldn't have let you into their college if they wanted you to fail out of their college. <laughs> it doesn't look good. <laughs> Yeah, I think, like, the accommodations, at least in, like, public schools, um, could be a lot better, though. Like, I do, like, I've heard so many issues, like, you've told me things that are just, I'm like, whoa, that is crazy. And, like, I've heard things from my own friends who are like, this teacher was just not it. Like, they just couldn't help me, and, like, I would try to do this, I would try to talk to them, you know, things like that. And, like, they, they would literally struggle throughout the entire year. Yeah. So I'm like, I think I think sometimes, like, some teachers are really good with, like, accommodations, and some teachers are just not not great. So Yeah. And I find, I find the teachers that are not great with accommodations are also teachers that are just disliked by the general public. <laughs> no, because it's true, because the teachers that everybody loves are great with accommodations. Um, and then there are other teachers that just the general public opinion is, no, (laughs) I've, I've had a couple, which is really too bad because sometimes they're like, they're nice people, but you're just like, wow, I don't know if this is, this is the job for you. But at the same time, especially if you've been teaching for like 10 years already, then you already have benefits. You've already had salary increases. It's like it's not just easy to get up and leave and choose a different profession. Um, but yeah, no. no, I think it's like the whole thing of like every child deserves a parent. Not every parent deserves a child, you know, because not every parent is good at being a parent. Mm-hmm. It's like every student deserves a teacher. Not every teacher should be a teacher. <laughs> Which I know is 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 controversial to say, especially because there is a teacher shortage. But the reason there's a teacher shortage is not because there's bad there's there's just not a good enough good teachers out there. The reason there's a teacher shortage is because teachers are not treated well in this country. So why would they stay in a procession that they are getting underpaid for that has so much emotional labor that they're not getting compensated for? And if every teacher only worked the hours they were paid for, we would learn next to nothing. Like, they they work so much outside of school to grade papers and plan lessons. And so I don't want to be an English teacher if I ever become – because because – I don't want to have to grade essays. Oh, God. That would take forever. I feel like just, like, lesson planning, too. That would just... There's so much layers. Like... Yeah. I I don't know. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much, like... Like, brain energy, everything that goes into, like, lesson planning. And I'm like, I I just don't think I can do that. Yeah, and I mean, having curriculum definitely helps. 
like a curriculum that you have to follow, I'm sure. But that's just like, you know, you have to make sure they learn this by the end of the year. You still have to figure out how to teach it to kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, like, it's just like, like I've had teachers where I've been like, hi, I, I have this accommodation and he'll be like, oh yeah. I'll write you a pass if you if you're late to your next class, man. Or I'll be like, "Hi. I I'm having this issue. Can I please go to the nurse?" And my teachers it was like, "Oh my gosh, yes, please take all the time you need." Cuz it was like it was it was, I think it was just one of those things that didn't happen very often to him. And then he was like, he looked very concerned. And then I came back and he was like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, I, "I'm good now." <laughs> I love those teachers. Yeah. No. And then there's just, I think there's, I think there's a lot of great teachers at the school we went to. Um, I think they vastly outnumber the teachers that are maybe not as great. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, cause they're, cause the teachers, I think like there are some teachers who are really nice, but I just, I just have not, or like people don't necessarily love them as a teacher or like their teaching style doesn't click for you, but you still like them as a person. Those teachers are still well-liked it's really people, I feel like when you don't like a teacher, it's because you don't like them as a person, <laughs> you know, because I've never had a teacher that like, like my math teacher last year, wonderful, sweet woman, could be, her teaching style could be calculus, I didn't understand it, <laughs> I really tried, but I, my brain said no, <laughs> you know, yeah, mm-hmm, but I still like her because <laughs> she because I remember once I was like super sick for a week and then I came in I watched all the videos I did all the stuff and I came into her class early that week the next week to try it to ask her all my questions because I didn't understand and I started crying in her classroom and she was like oh sweetie and then she made me a cup of tea <laughs> it was very nice of her <laughs> yeah I I would say that my experience with her has been also really well and I also think it's like sometimes it's conditional niceness yeah because like if you're a good student in the class and like you try then they're yeah. gonna be like much nicer to you no exactly <laughs> you really like, don't do anything even if you're failing out of the class if you're trying and your teacher can see that they're gonna they're like gonna they're totally gonna be chill but if you do nothing during class you're always on your phone you're distracting your peers they're gonna get short with you <laughs> And like, like I think yes, there's things that we could fix about the the school system. I think there's things we could fix about a lot of systems. It's like the James Baldwin quote, and this is a paraphrase, you know, because I don't know the quote by heart. Uh, because I love this country, gives me the right to criticize it. Because yes, we've done a lot of amazing things, and yes, it's a privilege and it's wonderful that education is a is is a requirement and is a right. And also we can do better, but also just like, I feel like our school overall does really well with it. Like, I think they have a really great staff and yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, I think most of them, as long as for most of the teachers, I think as long as you're just like, if you need something, if you're just like honest with them about what you need, they'll be open to it and trying to figure something out with you. Cause they, I have never met a teacher that wants their student to fail. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that's just that's just not how it goes. Yeah, it's not at all. Yeah. Well, 
We kind of got off track, but you know, neurodivergency. <laughs> it's out there. A lot of people have it. There's many different forms. Uh, you know, and if you're, if somebody asks you something that to to help both of you succeed in your relationship, uh, just do it. You know, it might be an extra step for you, but in the long run, it's it's gonna be worth it. It's also just, like, being a decent human being. Yeah, that too. <laughs> like, some, sometimes it's, like, honestly, it's not, it's, like, you don't even have to go out of your way that much. You just have to be, like, aware sometimes. Yeah. It's, like, it depends. But, like, sometimes it's not, like, it's not actually a lot of work. It's, like, being a good friend. Yeah. Like, think of it like that, so. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Yeah. If you're neurodivergent, what's up? I see you. <laughs> Let's go, our brains. Because, <laughs> yes, it can be frustrating, but I, I do think, uh, I do like the way my brain works. And I like I mean, you I like, should like the way your brain works. Like, I think it's interesting. And then I like seeing other people, how their brains work, because I'm like, that's so fascinating. I never would have thought of it like that. And, like, that's, that's a really cool thing about that. So, yeah. And also, apparently, I just know a lot of queer neurodivergent people. <laughs> now I feel like I'm going to, like, go through a list of everyone I know who's who's queer and be like, are they neurodivergent? Are they neurodivergent? Are they neurodivergent? Because, like, if you just, like, gave started, I'm, like, listing out people in my head that I know, and I'm like, no, I know they're neurodivergent. They're neurodivergent. I know they're neurodivergent. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some overlap. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think I think queer people as a whole uh, do pretty well with their neurodivergency in at least accepting it because we're used to not necessarily being the status quo. Um, and I think those two just go hand in hand and taking care of each other so i think that's kind of it because i don't know if i have anything else you kind of summed that up really well oh well thank you i try (laughs) you don't need to try (laughs) (laughs) all right well be safe be kind take care of yourself surround yourself with your family and friends people you love And remember, the tiny space potato believes in you. Find us on Instagram at gen.dir.z. Please reach out if you have any inquiries. Today's episode was brought to you by Bren Bartal and Michelle Leong. Thank you for listening to Gender Z, and we hope you tune in next time.